So everyone who is here, thank you so much for joining us. We see some familiar faces and it makes me so happy. Um, we've taken a few weeks off, but we are back and better than ever. Um, especially thank you to all of you who were able to turn into our special collaboration episode um, with sports industry influencers and minorities in sports a couple weeks ago. It was such an impactful conversation. Um, and we're really excited that we had that and we were able to partner with them. And we do have some announcements of what's coming next with our partnership. So we will be sure to email that out to everyone. And we're very, very excited because this week we have one of our favorite ladies in the business with us, Ashley Combs of Excel Sports Management. Ashley, what is good? What's a very, a very proud Connecticut yeah, Husky. We will hear my, about some that. Of my, some of my alum are, in, are, are watching too. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for yes. having me. Thank you. And I'm sure people will be um, trickling in as we start, but you know, first topic, we could not start this episode without discussing, you know, our tip off the NBA bubble, <laughs> the good old NBA bubble. Like NBA what are your coming thoughts? Back. yeah. What are your thoughts? You know, I have mi mixed feelings about it, I guess. Like I, I, we were talking just a second ago, like I haven't really left the house mm -hmm. in months. Like I am like, I'm not getting sick. That's not going to be the case for me. And so I, I'm a little nervous. I want all of the guys and all the people working down there to be healthy and like for this to go very well. At the same time, like I'm a basketball junkie. And so I, if this can go well, and I feel like if, like we said this earlier, if anybody can pull this off well, I think the NBA is like the team of people who's going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, if they're able to pull it off, I'm going to be sitting here literally not blinking, like watching basketball all day. Just like, I, I can't wait for basketball to come back. So hopeful that It'll be a safe environment that guys, you know, stay healthy throughout the whole thing. And not even just like COVID, but like no injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think um, I'm excited for it to come back for sure. Oh, yeah. And but how do your players feel? So on the contrary, it's like this is where you're at. But what about yeah, your for players? Sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think many of my guys had that same feeling, which is like if the league says that we it's going to be safe for us to go out here and do it like feel pretty good that that's going to be the case. I think some guys, you know, if they had it their way, probably wouldn't do it. But um, I think they're also really excited to get back to basketball too. Like these guys, yeah. they hoop their whole lives. They've never had this kind of downtime. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think guys are, I think they're just, you know, cautiously optimistic, right? Like want it to go well, but I think once they get there and they're back to playing, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good. And yeah. do you think like, because I was reading something about this and just love seeing what people say on Twitter, but will there be like an asterisk next to this season? Like whoever wins, whatever happens, is it like, so whoever's crowned champion this year, is it like, oh, we'll like look at the situation that we had, you know? Yeah. Um, this is the situation that the entire world is in at this point. Right. Like, this is it. Like this is, this is what we have. I think it's going to be really exciting. Like I, it could go any way. Somebody, I was listening to some podcast and they were talking. We're starting up a season like four months later. I think we all have it in our minds that like the teams that were doing really well before are just going to come back and just be great. But, you know, I'm probably rooting for some underdog action here. I'm looking to see some, some folks get some upset. So, yeah, um, I'm eager. I'm eager to see to see how it goes for sure. Definitely. It's going to be interesting to see how they come back and like their game shape and yeah. how they are with their teammate. Like there, there, there are going to be a lot of like 
they're going to be out of rhythm. I mean, it's going to take a couple There were games. so many guys who took months off, like, yes. you know, like, like, because they were being cautious given our, you know, our situation, because they didn't have courts at their homes. Like, of course, they're doing some level of workouts yeah. in their spaces, but I think they I was, were on their way to playoffs. Like, we were, like, yeah. ready to go with the playoff push. So, um, yeah, I, I, I literally, I think I'm going to take off for sure, like, the first couple of days and just sit here watch basketball and just like take yeah. it all in yeah we're right there with you i think i was listening to reddick's podcast and he was saying what you just said like he found out that some other players in the league like hadn't touched a ball in 30 45 days and he was like right how could you possibly do that like yeah for, for a they, million they've reasons. never done this they've never. never done this in their whole lives you know never. so it's gonna be interesting for sure yeah gonna be interesting um wanted to talk about you know the mbpa and the nba just announced that they're going to allow players to um, change the the back end of the jersey, remove their yeah. name if they want to, and put something on there to support the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Sure. The question is, and obviously, look, Twitter is the best and the worst, so Kyrie got the brunt of it. Um, but the question is, is coming back a distraction from everything that's going on right now and clearly more important? Or can we actually make more change by playing and figuring out ways to continue the conversation? And I don't know if there's a right answer, but. Yeah. So many of the players who play in the league are black players, right? Like they grow up in a world where all of these things that are happening are not new things for them. Right. And Beyond just that, like, even in season, guys are managing practice schedule, game schedule, team appearances, uh, partnership deals. These guys know how to multitask. And I feel like so many players are passionate about their give back, whatever that looks like. If it's Black Lives Matter, if it's kids camps, whatever it looks like, I think that guys are extremely passionate. And they always find a way to make space to, to be able to do both. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the league has never demonstrated itself to be like, no, I don't want to help players. Nope, I don't want to be a part of social issues. It's always been a league that's been at the forefront of all of this. Yep. And so while I appreciate that this moment is huge, like this moment feels, um, I think, unlike any other, I don't think we need to tell players who this is how they feed their families. This is how they provide for their communities in big, meaningful ways that they don't, that they shouldn't go play. And now, you know, in that conversation of if a player says, Hey, I want to take the time to focus on this. Cool. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. right, no, no issue. But this idea that we should mandate like what that should look like. I don't think we need to, these guys do the work are invested in doing the work. Um, and I, I think that that will continue in the bubble and beyond as it always has. Yeah. There's also, there's also a reality of, and again, I, cause I, there's no right or wrong and I don't want to mm -hmm. keep um, harping on Kyrie cause I'm a Kyrie guy. Sure. But the difference between being a superstar mm -hmm. and, and being on your third or fourth contract and you got millions in the bank versus like a, a second year guy or a rookie, or you're still on your first deal and not only are you trying to survive in this league, but to your point, like, this is how you make a living. This is how you feed your family. So, like, yeah, also I, the reality of that. Yeah, I think that we – sometimes we look at players and we're like, they make so much money, so blah, blah, blah. But, like, this is their job. Like, like this is my job. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really similar. And 
I, you know, certainly one of my guys was talking about it at the start of this, but like, not everybody's great with their money. Not everybody's like, this changed so quickly for all of us. None of us was prepared for like, oh, there's going to be a pandemic. Like we (laughs) didn't even have the the mind to think through that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just important. I don't count my players' money. I, you know, help to empower them to make whatever decisions they want to make. I give my opinions on things always for sure. Um, But yeah, I think you do have to be mindful. And I think, you know, just given that I have players at a a range of, you know, level of being a veteran in this league, like you have to be thinking about not just yourself, but how it affects the whole league, the whole 450 players. Yeah. I, and, and before Mm -hmm. I even ask this, this other question about, how players can continue to elevate their voices and, and affect change. There's a very unique opportunity here where not the entire league, obviously, because players are opting out, but right. the, the, the biggest, the vast majority of the NBA are going to be together. That's yeah. powerful. And, and I think yeah. that's an opportunity for them to come together and really talk about things, really work on like, okay, what are we going to do when the season ends? What are we going to do while we're here? What's our messaging? What can we do? Whereas, you know, even at the MBPA meetings, you know, you don't get 100% just because guys are all over the country. So I think that's something. But really, the question is, like, how can the players continue now that we're coming back? How can they continue to elevate their own voices, their team voices to help the BLM movement? Yeah, I mean, it's also like an individual thing, right? Like, some people, this is not going to be their thing. And and even within that, like the ways that we each contribute to this may different. look very different. Some guys give money because that's where they can make the most impact. Mm-hmm. They don't really have the speaking points down. They don't feel comfortable, but they have dollars to be able to put. That's extremely valuable. We have guys who are very outspoken, as you know, in the league. Yeah. Those guys will lend their voice. Um, I, I Yeah, I think that there will be a lot of conversations amongst players figuring out how to keep things moving forward. But but this is not new to these guys. Right. They have been doing this work anyway. Like, that's the whole thing when I'm hearing all of these conversations. is like, guys are doing this work. Guys are putting their money where their mouth is. Like, they're doing this stuff. Um, so I think it's really just a continuation of, of what the guys right. have been doing anyway. And a challenge maybe for some of those young players or players who have not known how to speak or move in these areas before to step up and feel comfortable to be able to do more now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great to see, like, because to your point, like, some of these younger guys feed off of the veterans and things on their team, so at least being back, like, when you're home, especially when you're used to being with a team so much, like, you may not feel as powerful with your individual voice as you do when you're with the collective, so I'm excited to see what comes from it. I think it will do you know, a lot of service to the Black Lives Matter movement. I think, you know, even with what the NBA is doing on the courts, they're showing that they stand with this, you know, that's where they're at. I was more concerned about health than anything, but, you know, which was my true biggest concern um, because, you know, it's just scary in Florida's, you know, cases just continue to go up and, you know, you have to think about the staff that's working with them. But to your point, Ash, like, the NBA knows what they're doing and, you know, yeah. there's insurances, there's things. It's like, we've got to try it at some point. And I think containing it is the best way to do it. Um, it's yeah. Just I mean, for all crazy. of us, like, you know, we we're all at some level of like insider in terms of knowledge. So there's some stuff I know, but like, I'm not working on this stuff day to day. There are people yeah. who are working on it every day, all right. day. Right. Like, 
and it's important. So I just, for whatever reason, have like the level of trust that says, I'm sure that they are doing everything they can. The players are their business too. This doesn't work without them. So right. the idea that we might just be putting people, you know, at risk, like intentionally, I don't, I think that everybody is going into this doing their absolute best. Right. And you're bringing all your staff down there too, who you need, who's vital, you know? So, yeah. um, We'll all be tuning in together to see <laughs> to see what Can't develops. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. But we'll definitely talk more about kind of athletes and social justice as we get more into your career. But you yeah. know, we'll dive into the first half right now, which is just covering your career path and how you got to where you are today. So you're currently in the basketball division at Excel, which we're going to talk a lot about in the second half. But as always, mm -hmm. you know, we want to start from the beginning. And sure. when did you know that you wanted to work in sports? I've never wanted to do anything except work in the NBA, mm -hmm. like ever. Like you can talk to, you know, classmates from when I was in ninth grade and they'll tell you like, this was Ashley's interest. I went to Connecticut. I was with uh, my roommate this summer and she's like, yeah, when we first met, you were like, hey, I'm Ash Combs and I'm going to the league. <laughs> and I don't remember having That's said awesome. that to her, yes. <laughs> but it, feel, it feels on brand. Like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Now, figuring out what exactly was my lane, where my gifts lie, like, all of that. That part took some time and some trial and error. Um, but I've never, never, there's not anything else I've ever wanted to be except I wanted to work in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And you made it. You made it to the league. Figured it out. Figured it out. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So you got started in sports while you were at UConn. Um, mm -hmm. What was the what was your first experience with sports at UConn? My first experience, I think, and I didn't start. So I didn't start working in athletics in any capacity until I was a junior. I was trying to figure it out. I knew some people who I thought could help me. It didn't really work out those first couple of years. And also, I was just like young and social. My first couple of years um, <laughs> at school. So my first opportunity was in athletic marketing which was like like the people who do on-field promotions yep that was me um at every sport so i did that i did um athletic fundraising i did operations for like a couple of days and then i quit that because that was not my jam <laughs> um and then even that same year my junior year that's when i started to get introduced to um the, the folks in men's basketball so that was always the goal the goal was always to be a manager nobody was trying to give me any play they weren't really feeling me like so um and I know there's a question about a mentor I had just been talking right like how my college roommate knew it how people in high school knew it I always have just been talking about I want to work in basketball I want to work in basketball and so some program I was involved in I said it out loud this woman is like I know someone who knows someone and she introduced me to um, my mentor, this guy, Justin, um, who's a professor now at UConn, but who worked in men's basketball at the time. Ivanovic? So yeah, yeah. I was a graduate assistant with his brother at Providence. He says hello. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Um, so he gave me like my first opportunity. Literally, I would just go to like the video room and do like video stuff. Nobody in men's basketball knew I was doing any of it. Like he just gave yep. me an opportunity. Um, and then I worked Jim Calhoun basketball camp. Um, my girl Taylor's in the chat, so she, she knows about Jim Calhoun basketball camp. I worked Jim Calhoun basketball camp. And then that summer we hosted an elite camp 
and I must have done a good enough job at, at, at Coach Calhoun's camp because they let me like go pick up our alumni like they gave me some some pretty important roles and at the end of that they were like hey we don't typically take managers as seniors which I was but we want you to come on and be a manager um so that was my first like that's the that was the opportunity that I was always hoping for and then I worked as a manager my senior year and also in the office and then I stayed on and did two years of grad school as well at Connecticut and worked in women's basketball throughout that time as well. Nice. I, uh, I recommend people to be a manager because you will never so do more grueling, grunt, terrible, but at the same time, fun, amazing, rewarding work. Like it's both yeah. exact in, the, in the same day. You could be doing yeah. laundry and then uh, getting on a private charter to go play whoever, like on the same yeah. day. Yeah, like, I'm, I like to be a part of, like, things that are done at a high level, big things. Like, that, that's exciting for me. And so my first year as a senior, we went to a Final Four, and we lost. And that was not fun. Not fun. We lost in Detroit. And then the next year, it was an NIT year. Not very good. Yep. But my last year um, as a student, a full-time student, was the year that we went on that crazy run with Kemba, where yep. – um, we won the five games in the Big East tournament. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we won the, the five games in the Big East tournament, which, like, at that, that time. Was, that, that was the crossover was, against Pittsburgh, right? That was Yeah. yeah. Cross- I mean, yeah. Kemba's run that year was, like, incredible. So Unreal. even at the beginning of that year, we went to Maui, and he went nuts in Maui. Like, yeah. I just remember people like, <laughs> talking about it. But, but the mid part of that year and, like, just playing in the Big East, we weren't all that good. Like, we struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember how that felt. Um, so we had that, but then he went on that run and then obviously we went on the run in the tournament and there's nothing like working in a situation like that. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. like that first final four was crazy, right? Insane. We're in Houston for a week, like just, and as a student, we're students, like nothing, nothing touches it. Nothing touches it. It was such an incredible opportunity to work there to work for a Hall of Fame head coach and be able to always say that. Like when I introduced yep. it, I'm like, I work for the Hall of Fame head coach, Jim Cohen. Right. Yep, I did it. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you kind of the foundation. Even when I saw like those questions on the rundown, I'm like, yes, because I love UConn. Like it is mm-hmm. a part of me through and through. I'm always going to be a Husky. Um, and like I said, that was really the foundation of, of starting to build a real career for myself in basketball, just, you know, beyond just an, an interest. Have you, have you been back recently to see the new facility? I saw the facility right after it opened up. Okay. Um, so it's it was impressive. still like. It's impressive. Very brand new. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we deserve it. It's big time. It's, a, it's the men's and women's facility. And now you're back in the Big East. How do you feel? Are you excited to be back, back in the Big East? East. Uh, it was Thank God, right? You don't, have to, you, you don't have to see UConn. I'll, just be, very, I'll be very honest here. I have been mortified in the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> it has been embarrassing. And one of my guys, one of my players is from Villanova. Okay. And he's a two-time <laughs> national champion from yep. Villanova. And he hammers me. He <laughs> hammers me about how good they are and how bad we are every time we lose it's like merciless so i'm very excited to be back in the big east um and i'm excited for us to turn it back around we were such a like from the ground up program like built by coach calhoun like we're not duke or kansas or kentucky 
when I found out that we had, I just wasn't paying attention. When I realized that we had more championships than Kansas, I was like, how is mm-hmm. that possible? Like that is like, yep. that atmosphere there is so insane. So I'm really proud to be from UConn. I'm excited for us to turn it around. I'm excited for us to get back to where we once were. Yep, no doubt. And and Gino's gonna do what Gino does. So always, he's I love the women. Pictures. I love I yeah. I love the women. The women are my friends. Yeah. But I'm from but I'm from men's basketball. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you so you work with the basketball team for three years and then you transition to the San Antonio Spurs. How did that come about? So um, I mean I basically just kind of stalked them a little bit. Like <laughs> it was the only thing I applied for in my last year again that was the year that we were going on this crazy run um and it's hard like it's hard to be a full-time student and be in the mix of all of this like exciting stuff and then try to figure out this next phase of your life when you're in your early 20s like that was very challenging so I applied for the opportunity to intern with the Spurs like on teamwork or whatever um I sent in yes yes Teamwork online. We always laugh when somebody brings that up because it's it's literally been conversations in chats. Like, does it work for some people? Yeah. Some people yeah. you just get ghosted. Well, yeah. well, let me talk about how it how it works. So I sent, <laughs> I, I applied that way, but I also send in. I'm like, I'll stalk professionally. Like, I'll stalk anybody yeah. if I'm trying to get something. That's just what it's going to be. So I also sent in a hard copy of the resume, and then I called them a lot. Like, I could mm-hmm. tell that they were getting a little aggravated but <laughs> it was all I had man it's the only thing I applied for like there was right. there was at some point um the guy who was my coach's agent I like stopped him at the tournament and I was like I don't have anything lined up like if I don't get this I'm gonna need your help to figure out something else um so yeah I stopped the Spurs I stopped them to get the <laughs> awesome. and awesome. they gave it to me so I also I think respectfully I think I was qualified for it like I had finished grad yeah. school right um and so that was going to be my internship to finish, to finish my grad work. So yeah, I stopped them. Okay. So you get the internship, talk about yeah. how long that was, what you were doing, and then how you then secured an internship to a full-time role, which is not yep. easy. So I, yeah. So I interned for like 10 or 11 months in San Antonio. I was brought on to uh, intern in their uh, nonprofit, um, Silver and Black Give Back, the Spurs nonprofit. So I did that for the first 10 or 11 months and then after that I transitioned to more like league programming which was better for me um I just enjoyed it more so I worked on like NBA cares projects um which was really cool again again in San Antonio we were also very good which was fun mm-hmm. um so we did we ended up going to the finals I was there three years we went to the finals twice one once and so we got to do this really cool like you know, if you're in the finals, you get to do this big community project where the league gives you money and your partners give you money and you create like these reading room types of things. Um, so I got to work on some really cool stuff on the Spurs side. But in San Antonio at the time, um, the company owned the a W team, a WNBA team, and also an AHL hockey team. And so I really got to sort of take the lead on projects and initiatives for, for hockey and for, for women's basketball. Um, so it was a great experience because it gave me the opportunity to, you know, have the autonomy to build things and bring things to life. That's awesome. And you were there, you got your work in, you wanted, you were there for a championship, right? I was. And I then was, yeah. like you are now 
at Excel. So how did you take that team experience and say, okay, what's next for me is this agency life? Yeah. Yeah. So I interned at Excel when I was um, in between my first and second years of grad school. I interned at Excel in our, in our New York office. So, mm -hmm. and also we represent a bunch of people from UConn. So like there's, yep. there was always this connection between, uh, between Excel and I that existed. At the end of my run in San Antonio, I knew I just wanted to transition to, to working more closely with players. I worked in our community department in San Antonio, which gave me some level of access for sure um, to basketball and working more directly with players, but it wasn't enough. Like I, I, my gift, if you ask me, is that I'm really good with players. Like you put me in a room with a player, we are good to go. Like it just feels like we instantly are able to build trust. And I wanted to be able to use my gifts in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, started stalking the <laughs> president of Excel <laughs> because like, at that time I'm like hey help me I, please help me figure out like how I can get somewhere else right um, and I don't even think I actually ever got him on phone um, but then an opportunity opened up here and I guess because I had been reaching out so so much he was like hey thought about you with this opportunity would you be interested in coming and so um, that was a transition now I transitioned I was a coordinator or whatever in San Antonio, but I came to, to Excel at 27 as an assistant mm -hmm. and didn't care because I knew, I just, based on my, you know, limited experience interning here, I had the understanding that this was not going to be a step back and then just whatever. Right. I knew that if I took the step back, I'd be able to like really move my career forward um, and feel like I've, you know, I've been able to, to do that at some level since I've been here. So it was definitely, um, definitely a good move. And then you know, to answer your question about like skills. Yeah. I think that the thing that equips me to do what I do now, or we'll talk about what I do now is like all those other things that I've ever done. That mm -hmm. I worked in a community department, that I did athletic fundraising, that I worked in men's basketball directly with players. Because on this side, the job is, at least with what I do is, it's whatever I do, whatever needs to yeah. be done. Um, and so I think having some experience in those other areas really helped to equip me to, to be able to serve my players well now. Definitely. Yeah. Cause they do like, you're working on a community event with them. You're working on, you know, anything under the sun, which we will dive yes. into in yes. this next topic. Cause we really want to, you know, talk a lot about what you're doing now. I, I think we need to have a separate episode on how you professionally stalk. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, yes what that looks like, how many mm. times a week, what are you saying? We need a whole episode actually, on that. Yeah, no, that's good. I <laughs> I love like traditional things, you know, like I'll send you, I will send you something in the actual mail. I will yep. write you a handwritten note. Like even at that's that time. Ba that's a basketball thing for sure. I still, I still write and get notes all the time. Me too. So, you know, I'm working in men's basketball at UConn. Yep. Respectfully, my coaches were old. Like just... And so one of our, one of our assistant coaches, my favorite, 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 his name is George Blaney. He was born in like the 1930s. He loves a handwritten note, loves a handwritten note. And so I was able to pick up on some of those, like those things that just go over well and just say like, I'm really serious. I'm really invested. I want to know more. Yep. I yep. want to grow. Like that stuff matters. That stuff matters. It does matter. And I love something else that you said too, where you were making a transition and you said to somebody in your team, like, I don't know what's next. Like, I may have to have you help me. It's like, we sometimes think we can't ask other people for help too. It's like, if you know what you want and where you want to go in your career and you have the connections and the people within your circle who could maybe make that happen for you or help, yeah. like, 
why not ask? I do that all the time. I'm the queen of information. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you have to be your own biggest advocate. And like, I've been guilty of not pushing Mm -hmm. as much sometimes, but like 1000% when I was trying to get the opportunity in San Antonio, I went to my coach's office and I was like, do any of y'all know anybody in San Antonio? Can y'all make a call for me? Because what you're, you're not just like, it's not like, you know, we talk a lot. And, and that's the nature of this business. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. it can feel a bit like unfair, um, but I had to figure it out. Like I had to figure out how to know people because you have to know people in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I wasn't asking them to go in there and vouch for me. And I didn't have anything to show. Like they knew my right. work. They knew I would go to San Antonio and work. Um, and so, yeah, you have to speak up for yourself for sure. 100%. Nobody can read your mind. Nobody's going to know what you want to do unless you're talking about it. Right. And you're your biggest advocate. Like it's, you know, sometimes you hear that people get these situations, but it's rare that somebody's going to come up to you and be like, I have this opportunity. Unless you're like, as you get down in your career and you've built these, people are going to think more of you for opportunities because they know that yeah. you'll put yourself out there for them as well. Yeah, so for sure. a, a little like mid-career advice as we go into to the next section <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta you gotta be aggressive i had a similar so um brian blaney george's son is an assistant mm-hmm. in providence and i worked mm-hmm. with him for two years with mike oh, cool. too. and well, well. Um, so at the end of my um graduate assistantship you know i would have loved to stay at providence there wasn't an opportunity and right. i was in, i was in blaney's office every morning at 8 a.m asking who can you call in your Rolodex? Who do you have? Where can I go? And no bullshit, he calls Howie Dickman at Central Connecticut because an op spot opened and he calls and says, I got a guy, you don't need to, you don't even need to post it. I got the guy for yeah. you. Yeah. I had to get in my car the next day, drove, interviewed, and was offered the job. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, that's how it goes, man. Like, especially in sports. Like, I think sports yeah. is probably... I don't know, maybe like entertainment or whatever, but I think sports is probably the number one industry where relationships is everything, more than well, anything yeah, else, yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, and again, you build those relationships by doing good work. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to vouch for you if you're nope. working for, so. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Amen. Uh, all right. We want to transition to, or Dom, I'm sorry, did you have one more thing? No. Okay, so I want to transition in the second half. Um, want to focus on all the work that you're doing with the players, the day-to-day, yeah. what that really looks like. So yeah. tell us about your role now with Excel. Um, you work closely with CJ McCollum, Blake Griffin, a ton of others, but tell us about your day-to-day stuff now. Yeah, so I work in our marketing group. Um, I have about eight NBA guys that I work with. Um, and then I also have responsibilities here in our West Coast office. Our, our West Coast office is fairly small, but I help to sort of oversee like our operations and everything that we're doing that we're doing in our space here. Um, but I mean, yeah, my job day to day is literally serving our basketball players, um, and delivering on whatever it is that they need, whether it's building and implementing community platforms for them, um, managing partnerships for them. Uh, for some of my young guys, it's like figuring out where they're going to live, figuring out what kind of car they want to get, like literally whatever is a player wants to do. That's sort of where I jump in and, and, uh, help them and then also just a lot of like figuring out the strategy of what we want things to look like to look like for them um, off the court I think is a big part of, of what I do um, as a team of people as well how do you this isn't on our, this isn't our document so I'm sorry sure. so it's a, I'll get it. how do you get good at 
and again, I'm going to lean back on being a manager, being a GA, being an ops person. How do you get yep. good at being in a job that does not have a handbook, does not have a blueprint, does not have a how-to document when you arrive? A ton of jobs. You get there, there's a book. Hey, here's how you do this. You're checking off tat. Like, you just mentioned yeah. four things that you essentially just have to figure out. Like, how do you tell people to, like, get good at that? How do you work on that? I think you just kind of like have to, you got to be thrown in to do it. Like you just have to do it. Like, I mean, like, you know, when I first started, I didn't have, I had like maybe one player my first year. So that gives me a good opportunity to sort of figure out what that looks like and to be able to ask some questions of folks. I ended up getting some like big, bigger name players in my second year. But at the time I like CJ, right? Like at the time I got CJ, he was averaging like six points a game. Like that's what he was averaging when I took him on. So I never, uh, until recently, I wasn't really taking on players who were big from the start. Like, I was able yeah. to sort of grow along with my players, which I think is a big part of it. But, like, you just figure it out. Like, you know, I said I, I work as a part of a team of people, and we're constantly brainstorming and talking with one another and saying, hey, have you worked in this space? Tell me how you did it. Like, I am not afraid to pick up the phone and call a colleague and say, I think you did this. Tell me how you did it. I'm trying to do this for for whatever player. So, yeah, early, it feels a little daunting. It can feel yep. like a little like, I'm not sure <laughs> what to do with it. But the more you do it, the more it's just like, if there's a challenge, I can meet it. Like, if there's a problem, I will solve it. You just figure it out. You just, you just figure it out. I, I don't know. You just yeah, yeah, you do yeah. it. Like, you just do it. Yeah. What, um, what is the hardest part of your job? <sighs> um, what is the hardest part of my job? <laughs> I work a lot. I work a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, probably the hardest part is just like trying to get answers to things sometimes can be really challenging and it just like holds up the progress of like what you're trying to be doing, whether it's from a partner or from a player or, for, or whatever the case may be. I think that that can be like sort of the day-to-day challenge that I'm just like, all right, like you're holding me up from trying to keep everything moving for us. So I think that that probably I'd say that's probably it. What is or what are some of the biggest misconceptions about working with players? Um, I think the biggest misconception is that it's just like this is like a cake job. Like it's all fun. Like you're just hanging with players. It's fun all the time. Like here's the thing. I love basketball players. Love. And I love the guys that I get to work with every single day. But this is work. This is a job. And like I do get to do some really fun things. Um, but it's not always glamorous and I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with doing the work and putting in the work. Um, but I just think that's like a really important thing. I get a, a number of young people who reach out and I realize that like there, there are some people who work in different industries or even in, in our industry that I look to and I'm like, dang, they're killing it. Look at her. She's bossed up. Like she's doing it. And I realized that all these people were hitting me because that's how they saw me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Okay, like I do get to do some amazing things, but also I want to make sure you understand the fullness of like what goes into this work experience. If this is something you want to do, I need you to see beyond just like the glamour of some of the things that you think I do um, to recognize that this is like real work. Yeah, it's every episode that we've had, we've all addressed this to where like before you really start working in sports or if you're on the inside out, everybody thinks of it as this like, glamorous job um everything's perfect it's like the amount of times that I have like 
just been sweating in meetings. It's like, there's so much that really goes into it. And there's always such a great reward, but it's, it's constant hard work all the time. And you do have to be ready to have that, like almost, I hate saying grind mentality, but like you do. Yeah. No, I mean like, listen, some of it is very glamorous. Like I typically travel in a, in a situation, like obviously we're in COVID, so I'm not doing it this year, but I typically travel internationally with a player every summer. Mm -hmm. Some really good trips. And when you travel with a player, it's excellent. Yeah, car service, security, like first class flights, like all Mm -hmm. of these things that I personally really enjoy, right? So you get that, but then like last summer, I had to do an event for a player internationally and I traveled with like 200 pounds worth of stuff. Mm. Personally. That was probably not fun. I had to figure it out. Like I had to figure it out. Like, and and to to your point earlier, Paul, like I just figure it out you know what I mean so that um yeah like it's not always it's not always glamorous but it is rewarding it's extremely rewarding because I work with with players like and I'm helping to bring to life their dreams and their goals Mm -hmm. um and I I work with a really good group so they're like very appreciative of like all the the work that we put into to making things work for them yeah you guys have have an amazing roster for sure Um, you know and we're Yeah. And with that, you know, you work with so many different guys. Um, How do you balance like finding and sourcing the right opportunities for all of your athletes, especially if it's like, okay, a rookie, we're looking at maybe somebody who's like in the middle of their career, like that, that's gotta be a process. Yep. Yep. I talked a little bit about like this idea that I'm, that I personally think I'm really good with players. So you put Mm -hmm. me in a room with a guy, like you sign with us, I'm your person day to day we're good instantly. We have great relationships from the very beginning. That relationship piece to me is the most important part. Mm -hmm. Like I know what my guys like. Mm -hmm. So when I'm having conversations with the folks in my communications team or the folks on our sales team um, or with brands, I'm able to speak to what it is I think will work for, for a guy. The guys also trust me. So there have certainly been times when it's like a player is like, no, I think this is a bad idea. And I'm like, listen, I've taken some no's. This one has, this one is going to be a yes. Let's talk about why I really feel like this one needs to be a yes. I will absolutely push my players if I think it's going to help them to go to their, to their next level. Um, But I'm only able to do that because they trust me because they know that if I put you in a situation, I have your best interests at heart. So that relationship piece to me is critical. Like I, travel a lot yep. and sometimes it's just getting on a plane going to a city having dinner the night before going to the game heading to the next city the next morning like mm-hmm. it's just FaceTime it's just hey I'm here to see you I don't care if you're playing or you're not playing I'm there like right. I'm there to show up for you and that show up like that's what helps us to build the relationship that then gets us to the place where I'm able to say, this is the right opportunity for you. This is what we should be doing with you forward. Yeah. Cause there's so many people around that want to say, do this opportunity or take this or take that. So to your point, like that trust is the most important thing. Cause it's like, well, she's never going to like give me something or put me in touch with somebody that isn't going to either a relate to me or connect with me or be like, be in the position for me to win. Um, because, you know, yeah. you see, 
Like I remember when I first started in the industry, it was so eye-opening to me to see all the people that just clamor for these athletes' attention and things when it's sure. like, it's not in the best interest for you at all. So that's so important. No, um, I mean, we do a lot of that too. Like yeah. I do a lot of like, you know, if I, if I think somebody is not right, I'm going to say, I know that you like this person. I want to talk about it. Like mm -hmm. it's probably not as good as you think it is because we all fall into this. I was having a conversation with one of my players and his fiance and it's just like people treat us nicely because they think that we have something to offer like mm -hmm. like so some of my guys will be like yeah this person is a great person and I'm like I think that they might be a little bit shady but you would never know that they're always right. going to be nice to you. they're right. always gonna be good to you. they might be nice and good to me because of that same reason so just helping helping my guys to figure out um just figure it all out. Like my, my whole thing is about trying to empower them as much as I can to make good decisions for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. want to babysit and hold hands. That's not what this is. I want them to be their best. Um, right. and, that. and you do a great job. And, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like how did you shift your strategy during quarantine? I know we got to work on that uh, watch party with Blake together. That all digital, all digital, all digital. Yep. <laughs> Work didn't, I mean, like, we just, it felt like we had more to do. We have mm -hmm. more to do. Um, I think, obviously, I have guys that, like, people want to talk to at the top, at the top of my roster. So those guys are always going to be very busy, and we're always going to be fielding requests. I think we spent a lot of time figuring out what give back looks like for players mm -hmm. during this time. Um, and that's an ongoing thing. I think that started at the beginning of COVID, and then we sort of shifted to Black Lives Matter and, and how we can be more engaged on that front. Uh, we've done so much media in the last three months, and I'm sure that that will continue. Um, but I think it's been a really great time for players who are not my star players to get the opportunities to speak to media, to get the opportunities mm -hmm. to showcase their personalities. Um, and I know that, you know, our team has been working incredibly hard to identify those opportunities for guys at every single level. Yeah. Um, so we've been busy. We've been working. We've been working in the meantime, for sure. Yeah. I've loved, and this is a perfect segue into our next question, because it's like, sure. you know, when sports has been dead, quote unquote, you really see the power, especially that like NBA athletes have just mm -hmm. in this world in general. Like, I think more than any other sports, like NBA players, they're so dynamic with their off the court lives, you know, they're businessmen, philanthropists, you know, fashion icons. So now it's kind of called this player empowerment movement, right? Sure. Like, how have you seen that shift since you've been working like directly with players? Like, was there a point where you can say, oh, wow, this changed, like they're their own brands? I, I don't think I've been in it all that long. Like my yeah. when I got to my guys, my guys have, have sort of been on that. And again, I had the kind of guys who are like setting their own vision for how we move forward. Like just thoughtful, really engaged players. Like, you know, you ask the question about, what's it like working with a veteran player versus a rookie with rookies i'm really helping to set the tone of like what it is that we're going to do what i think is right especially in that first year and then after the first year it's definitely a check back in and i'm also even in the meantime i'm seeing like what goes well what does not go well what you like and young players might they might not tell me no so i need to be able to look and infer and see what's happening um the more they get into their career, the more that they know what they like, what they don't like, what they want to do. And so then with bigger guys like Blake or CJ, they're really setting the vision. Like, this is what I think I want to do. And I'm like, this is how we're going to do it. Let's work together, you know, on right. this. Um, 
so yeah, it's like, yeah, different levels of guys. You're doing, you're doing different things. Different have things. You, yeah. Have you worked with um, a player yet that you've helped transition into retirement? Um, yeah, I've had a couple of guys who have, who have, they're sort of retired. Like I think that they don't want to be retired, but yeah. but yeah. And like the thing about what we do that I really love is that we're having those conversations about what you want to do post-career from Early. the first meeting, like Early, from the yeah. very first meeting, what are you interested in? Yeah. Like, you know, and so we're, we're working to develop those opportunities with our players, even from the beginning while they're in the league on what next will look like for them. Um, so by the time we get to a transition, it's never really that hard because guys have already established sort of what it is that they want to do next. And we've certainly, as a company, we have a number of guys who have transitioned to coaching yeah. or TV um, and, and are still with us. Like we, we still represent them. Like this is, I think we think of this as like we're a family for real. Like this is a lifelong thing. We're happy to work with you forever if that's what it is. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, from a philanthropy and social justice standpoint, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but like yep. you know, we've seen our players come up so big during these trying times. Like how, do you have any specific examples of things that your players have done, you know, as it relates to either the Black Lives Matter movement or COVID that you're like, wow, this was really like, it took their interest and passion and they did something that was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I have guys who like, I think are just still trying to figure out where they want to be engaged right. at all in terms of community work, who saw this as an opportunity to, to do things that matter to them. I have a player who loves Chipotle. Mm -hmm. He did every day. That's his jam. And so we worked together with the team to feed some front, you know, some frontline workers with his Chipotle. He has a Chipotle VIP card. He gets catering off mm -hmm. of it. <laughs> we're able to feed frontline workers and that's really rewarding for him he's like this is great i get to do something good i get to do something that matters to me yeah. um that's incredible i've had a, a number of guys who have done more things like hometown things like we spend so much time working mm -hmm. in our markets um and much less time doing things in, in folks hometowns. so we spend a lot more time focusing on hometowns on making sure that people can eat a lot of what we we've done over this time has been around food security and that is just a good example of how we collaborate like in a situation like this when everything just sort of falls apart it's like it can be overwhelming the number of options and the number of ways that players can do things and so you know with one of my guys that's the conversation what do you what do you think we should do and I'm like people food security like yeah. people are not really sure how they're going to eat right now that's what we need to focus your dollars and it's yeah. great like I feel like I had such a an amazing impact I'm doing it with my guys and their money and their platforms and we're able to really make a difference, which I think is, has been really fun. Absolutely. They're always leaders and I'm just excited to see too with the season back, how they continue to, you know, use their voices and their platforms. Um, yeah. I have no doubt that they will. They will. Yeah, absolutely. And has there been a specific project that you've worked on with a player um, that's been particularly like meaningful to you, especially seeing the impact maybe from a philanthropic standpoint? Yeah, um, I think probably the, we, in, in Portland, we uh, build these things called the C.J. McCollum Dream Centers, which is, we do it in partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, which is just like the partner. We work with probably like 10 organizations uh, in Portland, but Boys and Girls Club is really the main partner. Um, and so similar to that project that I did when I was in San Antonio, we essentially build these rooms, they're not necessarily reading rooms, but they're safe spaces at the Boys and Girls Clubs. 
And the mission is really for students to begin to think outside the box about what it is they want to be when they grow up. Like this mm -hmm. is all about access to opportunity, exposure to opportunity. Um, and we spend a lot of time on it. And I think that the project is so rewarding because um, CJ's story is just, it's just very interesting. Like again, he didn't go to Duke or Kentucky or UConn. He didn't go to a school like that. Like he had to really work. He beat Duke though. He beat Duke. That's for damn yeah. sure. <laughs> so he had to, his, his come up story is just so very different. And so for whatever reason, when we put him in a room with young people, they feel like I can be maybe not a basketball player, but if he could figure this out, I can figure right. out my life situation too. Um, and so to me, that's the most rewarding. We spend a lot of time with those kids. We do a, we have kids come out to the basketball camp. We have the most fun every single Christmas. We um, throw a, a bowling party and we do gifts and all of that stuff. But like literally, you'll you know you'll be having conversations with kids at the boys and girls club, and they're like, "CJ, I know CJ. I met CJ. I spent time with him." <laughs> like just that level of like connection, like that it doesn't feel like I'm a star and I can't ever relate to who you are. To me, that's the reason and the way that we've been able to have as much impact as, as we've been able to have in Portland, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a great project. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best, it's the best in terms of community work. It's the best thing that we um, have done. And it's also like, it's the jumping off point for everything. We, uh, CJ was speaking at a conference, I think last week, and they were asking him like, what's, like, what's your thing? What's your lane? And he recognized, and I was glad that he did, that community is at the heart of every single thing. Mm -hmm. Everything that we've built for him in the last, we've been working together for five years everything that we've built has been based on community because that's where his interest, his heart lies. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, well, switching gears a little bit, we saw recently saw a couple announcements from some of your clients. We'll stay on CJ first, but just released a new wine. You yes, have a case, I have it. Robbie, yeah, we got to push this wine. <laughs> got to push it. How did this come about? I mean, how do you even get involved with launching your own wine? Yeah, so CJ, you know, tells the story of his fiance, who is amazing. She introduced him to wine, I think, like in their senior year of college. Um, he had never been drinking red wine, certainly before. I had never been drinking red wines before. Um, and so, you know, he starts his interest with wine, and then he moves to Oregon, which is has an incredible, like, wine scene. Yeah. Insane. Like, Oregon Pinots, which is what which is what we produced for his first, his first wine, are incredible incredible um and so we had been trying to figure out if he wanted to do more in that space um the the vineyard that we work with on this is a partner um of the trailblazers and so we had been talking with them about maybe doing like a partnership like a, a regular partnership deal name and like this type of thing um but i think again right you put him in a room he's great he's engaging he's asking a lot of questions and so i think that we all saw saw that there was an opportunity for us to do more than just the general regular partnerships um and so we've been working on this we probably started these conversations like 18 months ago or so we've been working in earnest for a year on this wine um and we've been a part of every single element of it like we've been a part of it in terms of tasting the wine figuring out what we wanted to go with the design of the label the paper that we use on the label the website all of it um we build in partnership with, with the wine, uh, with the vineyard, which is great because they have an expertise, right? To your earlier question that I don't. So I ask a lot of questions and, you know, we, we've established that relationship with them so that I can do that. Um, but he wanted to wa launch a wine brand. So 
So that's what we did. We figured out how to do it. And we're we're all ordering a case. Like we said, we're all ordering a case. Um, I'm ready for it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be available in September. Um, okay. and we'll have more. Like this is just a bit, it's just the jumping off point of, of creating a, a new brand for him. Nice. So how did the the name come about? Heritage ninety one. Yeah. So um, a big thing for him is just legacy. Like he's always talking about his last name, building a legacy for himself. That's super important to him. So we just were brainstorming names, and we liked heritage in place of legacy. And then we also were talking. Funny enough, that he grew up. Um, on Heritage Avenue. That's the street that he grew up on in Canton, Ohio, where he's from. Um, and so he's born in 1991. So that's how we, that's how we came together with the, uh, with the name. And then the, the logo is, um, it's an anthurium flower, which is his fiance. She's a huge plant person. And so she uh, loved that flower. And so he did that as a tribute to her. Nice. Very cool. That's amazing. I love this. And I love how wine is like the new thing in the in the NBA, it's like, it's really changed the face of that. It's like, I read, you know, you think of like LeBron so into this too. Yeah. CJ has always been a leader in it, but like, it's just- Lots of guys, yeah. To see those worlds um, colliding. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity. Like if you're a curious person and you want to know more, there's much to learn in the wine yeah. space. Like it can feel very- um, Overwhelming. So like uppity yeah. like you can feel like it's not easy to understand and so i think that's part of the mission of what we're trying to do is make it really approachable for people you know at our age to drink and enjoy a nice or you know yeah uh-huh. you're gonna have to uh meet my cousin because she's a sommelier and she always jokes with me about like all these nba players are into wine like i've got to meet them but it, it really is cool because for the wine industry you know like these are playmakers that have not been you know involved in it so it's a whole new you know, business opportunity for both parties, which I think is incredible. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, we'll remember September. Um, September. We'll send you your, your huddle t-shirt, so. <laughs> and, and I'll send you guys a bottle? Got it, yeah. got it, got it. So, you know, CJ's also involved with something that you know me and my content. I'm very interested in Players TV. I think sure. it's amazing. Um, he's so good. You, Your team is amazing at just finding the perfect times to attach to what is hot and it is this athlete content movement so can you tell for those who aren't know a little bit about players tv yeah so players tv is like a a platform basically for athlete content athlete generated content to live um you know i think as it relates to cj like he just he's he was a, a journalism major at lehigh he's always been a media person he does a ton of media that's really his area of interest is creating content opportunities um for himself and for others um, so I think an opportunity like Players TV is is a great opportunity for him to really step it up a level um, from what we've been doing always and really looking to just challenge himself and to do more in that space. Um, so he's excited about it. I'm excited about it. We're working on figuring out, you know, what kind of content we really want to put together beyond just um, figuring out some video components for his podcast. Um, but yeah, Players TV, media, all things media, or all things CJ McCollum for sure. Yeah. And they're just on Samsung TV for right now, correct? Or will- I think so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm excited. I need to check it out, um, but I think it's a great... Anything that's player-driven, it's like people want to see this off-the-court lifestyle-based content with athletes, so it's the perfect destination it's, where you can see everybody right there. So much more to them than just basketball. Like, they want to be exploring yeah. other interests, and so I know that there's going to be a lot of great content that comes through Players TV for sure. Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah. 
So we saw that Blake um, announced a new podcast, The Pursuit of Healthiness, awesome name. Mm -hmm. um, how did this come about? Yeah, I mean, same thing. Blake is also a content creator for real. Like that's just, you know, that's the space that he's in. And so, you know, to the earlier question of how guys are identifying opportunities, it's like putting guys where their interests lie. Health and wellness is a huge part of his life, like a huge part of his life as is producing content. And so I think he thought that this was a great opportunity to do a really unique player podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't think he really had an interest in doing anything that's like a regular get on and talk about basketball, which there's nothing wrong with that. CJ does it. He does it, you know, at a high level and that's great. Um, but Blake specifically likes to find his own lane. And I think that he felt like this talking about health and wellness and talking to other people who invest in that area, um, was sort of the, the route that he wanted to go. So I'm excited about that one too. Like I, uh, that doesn't come out, I think until August. And I haven't heard any of that yet. So it's gonna be my first time hearing it when everybody else hears yeah. it as well. I saw it's already like, they're like, season one isn't here, but we already got it for season two. Yeah, I mean, the whole season is filmed, uh, taped. Like the whole thing yeah. is done. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of, of releasing it out to the world. And it's gonna be good. Like really thoughtful conversations um, yeah. around health and wellness. And I think the idea behind it is just making it approachable. Same thing like with the wine, making it approachable, making people feel like it's something that they can understand. And, and these are things that they can apply to their own lives as well. Definitely. Yeah, man, when you got this job, it's like you've, it's so cool to me how you've been able to, you know, be in the deals where you're creating a new wine or a new media platform. I mean, that's yeah. what I think is so amazing about your role and, and why you're so good at this is you're able to just come in and it's like, yes, you're working with the player, but you've probably picked up so many different business skills that like, sure. you know, you, a lot of people wouldn't normally get the opportunity to do because you work across so many different athletes. Yeah. I think culture out of place matters, right? Like I talk yeah. a lot about that a lot because I've been in places where it's like, I'm probably not a great culture fit here. Like I like to work, you know, in a very autonomous way. I need for people just to, give me my space to do what I need to do. I will come back and ask questions if I need to, but I need to just be able to take what I'm working on and go. Yeah. Um, and that's the opportunity that I've been given here. I'm really fortunate, really fortunate to work. I work primarily with one of our agents um, who is based here in Los Angeles. And the conversation is always very much like people will, because part of this is just figuring out like, who are you supposed to talk to about players? And there are certainly people who will go to the agent and be like, hi, I'm coming to you. And they're like, Go talk to Ashley because yeah. Ashley knows Ashley can give yeah. you the answer. I, I can't help you. She will know the answers to these things. Um, and so I feel fortunate to work in a place where I feel empowered to be able to really lead in that way and to be able to do whatever I need to do to deliver, mm -hmm. to deliver our players. Yeah. Well, you're great at your role and we love you. seeing you shine. Um, for it. anyone who's looking to get into a similar role, particularly women, um, do you have any advice for them? In terms of like abilities or just like breaking in? Just breaking in or, or both, you know, because I think like, you know, sp in sports, a lot of skills are transferable, but like, yeah. you don't always know how to either break in or like, is this something that I really want to do? Like, I'm sure you have to have a certain personality for this too. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I was certainly, and people do, I would reach out. Like if you see somebody who is doing something in an industry, Send them a note. They might not hit you back, but I, and mm -hmm. the, the challenges is like, we all have so many things that we're doing day to day and that can be kind of rough. The people who get me are the people who send that note a couple of times. That's just mm -hmm. the honest to goodness truth. Mm -hmm. Like, 
my intentions are good. I intend to hit everybody back, but I just don't have the capacity all the time. So as I talked about earlier, don't be afraid. Still a little professional stalking. Be persistent. Like yep. that's always the person that's going to get, you know, at least me, that's the person that's going to get my attention because yeah. I might be flying all over the place or doing whatever. And I just don't have the time. Um, but if I see that you sent me a note, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Let me, let me try to get with that person. So I definitely would set up some time to learn about culture and places. Again, I think that that's really critical. You need to know if it's going to be a good fit for you. Um, ask questions about the kind of work, like that informational um, interview, I think is really important. And then even looking for opportunities, like you're just going to have to be persistent. Sometimes things aren't open when you're looking. Um, yeah, I would stay on people's radar. That's how I would do it. And I would do really good work where I am. And I would talk about the good work that I'm doing where I am. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, right, like everybody wants to have the best people on their team. It's just trying to figure out who those folks are, um, I think can be a little bit of a challenge. So just staying persistent, staying persistent. And then, yeah, in terms of skills, again, like you gotta be, you gotta be able to adapt. You have to be able to problem solve. Like to me, those are the big things. Like, can you figure it out? Are you going to like lose your cool under pressure? Nobody has time for that. Like I've been at all-star with a player where things are not going great, but he's looking at me to deliver. You can't like lose your cool under pressure. I think that's a, a huge one. Yeah. Especially around that. Cause it will be a scene. Yeah. It will be. A, yeah. It will be a whole scene. You're, you're going to be embarrassed. Like they think you're the expert. Like that's the whole thing is people think you're the expert, whether or not you are the expert. So <laughs> Act try, to, try to carry yourself accordingly, please. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll open yeah. it up for guests. This has yeah. been awesome. We could talk to you forever. Yeah. Um, you want to take the first question down? Or you want me to? Um, I see the first question is from Julie. Julie, yeah. Go ahead. Yes, I can take that one. So, Ash, what are some sports podcasts you listen to that have benefited you from a sports business mentality? That's really hard. Do y'all know any good sports business podcasts? <laughs> I don't think I do. Like, I listen to a ton of, um, I just love to hear people talk about basketball. So I would listen to yeah. any basketball podcast that exists. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, you know, noise in the background at this point. I love it. Yeah. Um, I listen to, I listen to more things that are like business centric. Me too. Or that I feel like, like a good hustle, like um, the NPR, How I Built This. Yeah. I really, Fantastic. really, really enjoy that podcast. Because um, it's cool. Like you're hearing how people have like built themselves up. And I just think applying sort of that entrepreneurial spirit, especially in what I do is like yeah. really critical. So it's not a sports podcast, but How I Built This for sure, I think is, is a really good one. That is a good one. Yeah, I mean, we got to shout out Winging It with Vince Carter and Annie first. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I love listening shout to out that. Annie. Um, the Woj podcast, that's pretty mm -hmm. good. I don't know if it's always business focused, but that's a good one. Yeah, there, there are great sports podcasts for sure. Like, yeah. um, it's just a matter of if there's... I, it, I felt like when I saw that question, I was like, hmm, that's an idea. That's yeah, something let that, me, let me that does not exist. Yeah. Like, maybe we should create that. So, yeah. yeah. I like the boardroom that the, well stuff that they oh, do yeah. with the boardroom. You know what? Because That's a good one. that is the perfect collaboration of like this is the business of sports and like what goes into it, especially because like I like to follow personally the epicenter of this like athlete content movement. So mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot from that one as well. That one, especially, I feel like over this COVID nineteen has been really good. 
like had really some really good. strong yeah. women, especially on there talking about, you know, sort of the ins and outs of, of what they do and how they do it. Yep. Any other questions? That's all we had in the chat, unless anybody has any others. We can get into the post-game presser, which are yeah. well, the easy one. Paul, kick us off. I'm excited to hear your answers here. All right, so first one in the post-game presser, favorite NBA yep. arena. My favorite NBA arena. I'm so biased. If any of my players ever hear this, they're going to be pissed, but I love the Moda Center. And I knew. It's crazy in there. Like, it's – I had been there so – I felt awful saying this, but I had been there for a lot of games, right? And they had lost, but I didn't realize they had lost all the games I had been to until they won one and they dropped streamers. And so I'm like, oh, this is so great. You guys dropped streamers tonight. And they're like, we do this all the time when we win. <laughs> but the atmosphere never changes in there. Like it is, I've, it's, it's been a lot of fun at the Moto for sure. And also I just spend the most time there. Yeah. Awesome. Portland's a cool city. I say that all the time. I've enjoyed spending Portland. Great food, great wine, good basketball. Great yep. in the summer. Beautiful, beautiful in the summer. Yep. All right. Best all-star that you've been to. Hmm. Okay. I have two. I really loved, uh, I think it was 2017 in New Orleans. I had a really good time on that one. A really good time because we were just doing so many things. I was with CJ. He was in, uh, I participated in, um, like the shooting contest or whatever for all-star Saturday night. But there was just so many different like partnership opportunities. It just was a really, it was a really fun time. Um, and also just like the way that we roll at those kinds of things is really fun. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm all, it's like the opportunity to get to see your friends, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And then I think this year was really, really fun. This was the first year that I wasn't with CJ or Blake. I was with a guy, one of my guys who plays in Milwaukee, who was in the dunk contest. And he's not like the kind of guy that gets all of these opportunities typically. And so walking through his first all-star experience with him, like just like the wonder of it, the joy of it. And also we had done, we had gone, I had gone to a lot of dunk practices and I don't know what I was expecting from a dunk practice, but they didn't go, they didn't go that great. So I show up to Saturday night. I'm like in the gear. I got his, you know, face on my shirt. I'm dressed. I'm ready. And he kills it. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the stands. Like I was sitting with one of my colleagues. She had video. I'm going crazy. Like, <laughs> the people behind me had to be like, who is this girl? How does she know this random player that nobody knows? Like doesn't yeah. expect to be in the dunk contest. Like, like that's it. Like I love my guys. The opportunity to show up for a guy who never like, it, I, I have chills even talking about it and thinking about it right now because that's how much fun we had. And, like, even our relationship has changed even since that time because he saw that I'm, like, I'm down. Like, whatever it is, I'm here for you. I've got you. Um, it's really fun to do it with guys who've never got the opportunity to do it before. That was special. We had a good time. That's awesome. That's big time. Um, best Netflix binge of quarantine? <sighs> I watch a lot of <laughs> TV. I also read a lot. But I watch a lot of TV. I don't know that I've seen anything great that I like super love during the quarantine, but at the beginning of this year, I think, I think it's at the beginning of this year, I watched Top Boy, um, mm -hmm. which is like, uh, it's like, it's British, 
I'm obsessed. Like I sometimes I get shows that I obsess over. Top Boy is one that I obsess over. Wow. Watch it. I don't think we've heard that it. one yet. No, we haven't. I'm sure you haven't. People like heard it. I've heard I it. The, I, I get these things where like I obsess, and then if I obsess, I'm gonna tell everybody I know. Else. Like you have to watch Top Boy. This is how you watch it. Like start it from the beginning, and then go like it. Uh, yeah, Top Boy. I'm a huge. I'm a huge Top Boy fan. All right. Well, we have one. We have two other questions. Um, yes, one, another yes. one from Julie. Most creative thing you've seen during quarantine? I could. That's in, that's open ended. That could mean a lot of things. Maybe Trey Young on TikTok. <laughs> oh my gosh, TikTok! <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. Like I just feel very old watching people on TikTok because All the young people are creative. Like I don't know how. I do not know. I do not know how. I, I fall, I, I, it's always at night, it's always like when I get into bed, but I fall into like deep TikTok hole. Like I'll look, I'll be on my phone for like a full hour and not even yeah. realize, not even blink. I don't need another social media it's bad. Kind of like platform That's to deleted. go on. I, I will check in every, you know, every week or so to see what my young players are posting on there because I have to yeah, make sure my young players yeah. don't mess this stuff up. Like I have to <laughs> coach them it through it for sure. Dedication too, because I'm like, I hate getting on social media sometimes to post like one thing for myself. I'm like, this is your whole day learning, perfecting, yeah. like the dance doing is yeah. crazy. I didn't realize I knew I was a bad dancer, but I didn't realize I was that bad. You try to I do one of these, I got nothing. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm a two stepper. A two stepper. <laughs> that's what I got for you. Just, TikTok is not for your girl. Yeah. Um, Won't see us on TikTok. Nah. Everybody in this chat, the three of us will not TikTok. Nah, not All right, Taylor yeah, has got a question. Yeah, Taylor's my girl. Taylor's Taylor, my girl. I have to connect with you because I recognize your name because we had the same internship at the Celtics um, in Heather and Jeff Twist's group. So I recognized your name. I think we have some similar friends in Boston, but that's for another combo. So Taylor, Taylor's a Connecticut Husky. She's okay. from UConn men's basketball. Taylor, I will hit you up on LinkedIn. Um, but Taylor asks, can you talk about the importance of intentional networking and as well as maintaining relationships, not just building new ones? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think even just, you know, in terms of navigating career, in terms of having support in your career, like you're going to get the opportunities and you're going to be able to move forward by the people that you know, the people that know you honestly like the people who know you who know what your interests are um it's critically important to be intentional about that i certainly do that i'm not really good at like show up to a networking event and network yeah it's a little rough for me but i am very good at this is a person that's killing it i've been watching them for a while when i get the opportunity i'm gonna jump in there and i'm gonna ask them a question and i'm gonna build a relationship mm -hmm. from there i love that she asked about intentional networking because that's really what I've seen to be the most successful, certainly for me. And I just, it's what I'm most comfortable with. It's like being very intentional and not only about what is it that I can get from you? Can I pick your brain? Like, can you help me? But like, how can I hold you down? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Like, yep. I yep. love the opportunity to do it. Um, and I think Taylor, Taylor's a really good example. I'm gonna tell our business a little bit, but like she and I have been friends for a while. There are certainly times when she and I've had conversations about her career. I've asked her questions about mine. Like just having people that you can, who know you, um, I think is really important. And yeah, like maintaining those relationships, that'll get you through your whole career. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
that's going to get you through. Like that's going to, you know, help you move. I think the, the one example that I found to be really interesting in the last like month or so, uh, is just like the way my relationships have shifted, even, even at Excel and spending a lot more time talking to some of my colleagues, especially some of my black colleagues, because we've been sort of ripping on some of the like challenges and issues and what we think. And, um, like those girls, whatever, for the rest of their career, whatever they need, yeah. whatever, I've got them. And so I think building those relationships, knowing how people work um, and being able to speak to that is, is everything in sport. Like it's everything. Your reputation certainly precedes you. It definitely does. Yeah. And, you, I'm, I'm, and I love to see how like, I mean, I mean, literally how I met both of you was through like connections or different things with sports. Cause it's like, people in your network always know who to connect you with because it's going to be somebody that's going to have like-minded interests. You can both help each other. Like yeah. it really is the most important thing I think of this. And it's just for the community. Like, it's yeah. just like, Hey, I got this. I can't talk about this. I this thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Taylor, Annabelle on this call. Like these are all people that I'm like, Hey, you know what you think about this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's just critical um, to your career growth for sure. I think something too that gets lost a little bit in just the general networking is, at least from my perspective, I was always taught, you know, you have to network with the president, the CEO, the vice president. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, the, your peers are actually going to get you way further along yeah. in your career than reaching out to the 37-year-old MBA exec who is getting reached out to by a million of the same people. It's like, no, no, no. So the, I, I would say for intentional networking, yes, it's hard. It's continuous. It's, it's just like you're, you're talking, it's just kind of similar to like social media, right? You have to check in all the time. You got to post all the time. It's the same thing as relationships. And yeah. if you, if you focus on your peer group, you don't know where everybody's going to be. And to your point, Ashley, like that will carry you your career. As long as you're authentic, you're yeah. not taking advantage of people and you're providing yeah. value. How can you provide value? Yes, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And those relationships last. Like yep. Cedric, just, Cedric just joined the chat. Cedric is one of my friends. He's also one of Dom's friends. But like Cedric and I have been friends. We worked together in San Antonio in, from 2011. Annabelle and I met in 2011. Taylor and I met God knows when. I don't know. Some some point in the early 2000s, at, you know, at UConn or whatever. But like these relationships matter and they last if you work on them. So yeah, building those intentional relationships is key. Yep. And I'm and like you know even. Part of the reason why uh, we wanted to start this was when, um, you know, COVID came upon us and we're like, you know, one of my favorite thing about working in this industry is, as you said, Ash, you know, you're out of events, you're doing this and it's like you're working, but it's an opportunity to see your friends. So, you know, we wanted to create a platform where people could network and I'm going to call Rachel out who's in this group, but, you know, she reached out to me on LinkedIn and was like, let's, my alarm's going off, so I'm sorry. Um, she was like, let's chat let's connect and she called me and it was like okay cool like now here's another great contact in this industry so it all goes hand in hand um but paul why don't you uh end us off since my alarm's going off and I don't yeah know yeah it. yeah i mean this was another awesome episode ashley thank you so much um really appreciate it everybody uh she, i think you put what your instagram and linkedin in the chat everybody can connect with you there yeah yeah ashley combs on linkedin ash combs ash underscore combs on uh on instagram Awesome. Yep. Happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Big time. Yeah, of course. So next time we yeah. can uh, travel safely and you're in New York, you know, 
we'll we'll get a coffee or a beer or uh, actually no we're gonna have some wine that's what we're gonna do we can have some nice wine i love it that's right awesome well thank you everybody for being here we'll be we'll be back here uh probably next week again and uh you know thank you again ashley this was awesome and we'll talk with you soon thanks guys have a good one see you